everybody, and welcome to episode one of the Ranting Rangers podcast. We are a New York Rangers podcast here presented by Elite Sports New York. I'm your host, Brian Padgett, here alongside my longtime friend and co-host, Andrew Shotis. How's it going, guys? Andrew and I have known each other for a long, long time and been bleeding blue diehard Rangers fans for many years. Andrew currently covers the team for Fanside. It's Blue Line Station, while I cover the Rangers and Jets for Elite Sports New York. Here on the Ranting Rangers podcast, we're set to bring you guys all, thing New York, all things New York Rangers hockey, as well as discussing other things all around the National Hockey League. We hope you guys enjoy and stick with us throughout this journey. So let's get right to it. Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Brian. How are you? Staying safe? Yes, sir. Of course. Just excited to, to get back to talking Rangers here. Absolutely. Um, so obviously the NHL is, is at a stoppage right now as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. But there's definitely still plenty to talk about surrounding the Rangers and the National Hockey League as a whole. Uh, you know, obviously the majority of the season was played to this point and the Rangers were having quite the year and, and we're on a bit of a surge when, when the league came to a screeching halt there a few months ago. Uh, so I think we'll start by talking today about just, you know, thoughts on the Rangers season so far. Maybe if something like what was the was a playoff berth in the cards, uh, just what, what were your thoughts on, on the Rangers season to this point? I mean, they ended the season, you know, two points behind the standings with other teams had some games in hand, but they're just so far ahead of schedule a year to two to two years. And I really think the young core, especially defensively with Adam Fox and Tony D'Angelo, I think they just surprised a lot of people. Their offense production was awesome. But earlier in the season, I think that a thing the Rangers really have to work on is defensively. Um, it was just unacceptable, the amount, of, uh, the amount of shots they were letting the game. And you had to feel bad for them, but... I mean, just the superstars you had, have, you know, Artemi Panarin, Mika Banjad, just accelerated this rebuild so much. Mika Banjad with 41 goals, Artemi Panarin, 95 points. These are unprecedented numbers, numbers like we haven't seen in five, seven, eight years as for a New York Ranger. And it's, it's just really exciting to see as a fan myself. I think, I think, yeah, I think that's a great point, especially about, uh, you know, Panarin and and this team being ahead of schedule. Because I think as you were getting at, you know, this is, Obviously, a rebuilding process that's been well documented from the day it started when they sent the letter. Uh, but you know, and it, 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 the Rangers would have been a year, a year ahead of schedule if they were to make the playoffs this year. I think, in my opinion, and most other people's, you know, the, the the goal has always been to to make the playoffs a year from now, and then and then really start contending for a Stanley Cup two seasons down the road. Uh, for, for them to to even come close is definitely a win. And you know, all the credit in the world goes to Artemi Panarin. And Mika Zibanejad, because this team had had long struggled to to score goals and just produce offense, and that was sort of a plague them throughout their their golden age of hockey throughout the the 2010s. There, it was you know they were back their backbone was was the strong goaltending of Henrik Lundqvist and and just reliable defensive play from guys like Dan Girardi and Mark Stahl and Ryan McDonough. But now it, it's you know it's sort of reversed. Like you're getting out here, like they've got the offensive side figured out with. With guys like Panarin, Buchnevich, uh, Kreider, and Zabanajad, you have a, quite the core of offensive players there. With plenty of young guys coming up, like Filipito, like Vitaly Kratsov, but but the defense it, it definitely showed some promise there with Adam Fox and, and Tony D'Angelo, two favorites of mine, like you were getting at. But but that's but that was that was sort of their 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 issue this season. If, if you had to pinpoint one thing, and it wasn't the goaltending either, it was their defense. It was just too many chances given up on some nights. And it was just flat out inconsistency. Um, yeah, I mean, thoughts on whether they would have made the playoffs this year? I don't think so. But what about you? I think. Well, 
just going back to the young core, I, I want to talk about Capocacco for a minute because I know the kids got a, like a lot of heat during the season, you know, a minus 26 rating. What I think we have to really consider is that he still put up 23 points, which is a pretty solid season for a 19-year-old kid. And it's hard for someone, you know, transitioning from Europe and just coming in and expecting such big numbers. And on another note, I mean, you have to give so much credit in the world to Coach David Quinn. I mean, what he was able to do with the inconsistencies at the beginning at the beginning of the season, and then where they were towards the end of the season, you know, with that ten with that ten game road win streak, and I, I think it's really impressive, and it's really bright future we're looking at, like you said, with Philip Hedel, Vitali Kratsov really coming to his own in the AHL at the end of the season. In goal, Igor Shesterkin. I mean, the numbers don't lie. Two losses to start off his NHL career. I mean, what the guy does is he wins. And and if the Rangers want to have success, you're not going to only need, you know, that incredible offensive production, but you need a solid rock and goal like, you know, Henrik Lundqvist had during the golden age of the 2010s. And all in all, the future, I mean, it just looks so promising. I mean, I know maybe contending in two, three years, and I think – all Rangers fans should just really be excited for what the future holds. I think it's just, it's really fun to see. Yeah, I think uh, you make a good point there about Kapokaka, who I obviously forgot about when when rattling off some of the Rangers' young forwards. I, I do think, you know, it's he's 19 years old. It's hard to call a season disappointment, but the, the expectations were, you know, too high and, and definitely a burden on a young kid coming over from Finland and, and definitely, you know, he was one of those players where you could see, you know, people make excuses often about having to adjust to, uh, you know, the different, the smaller surface here in North America. But I mean, I, I felt like you could see that with him. He was used to being able to, to, you know, have much more room to, to skate around, play behind the net. And, and he was also just used to, you know, being able to probably play against the guys who are a little less uh, strong and, and big as some of the guys in the NHL where, where, you know, he would, You'd see last year in in, uh, in Finland, you'd see him just like muscling guys and, and pushing people around, which which he couldn't do as much here, and would, would sort of try to do and and fail, not in a bad way, but but it, it was a, a good learning experience season for Kako. He got some 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 time all up and down the lineup, so you, you, he got a few chances with some of the Rangers' top dogs, but he also was forced into a checking role in the third and fourth line at some points, and I think those are good experiences for a young player to have to help him round out his game. And and I also totally agree with you about David Quinn there, who I thought did a terrific job and have been rather complimentary of throughout his, his Rangers tenure. Uh, you know, he's, he's shown an ability to, to, to really develop his young players and, and not just by necessarily throwing them out there on the first line or the top pair, but by, you know, sending them out a game and, and working with them to, to, to improve. And, you know, even guys like Tony D'Angelo, who's taken major strides since, since Quinn has come along, uh, even Paul Kuchnevich to some degree have, you know, talked about how they have a great relationship with Quinn and, you know, they've appreciated him, you know, sitting them down and, and trying to refine different areas of their game. Um, and yeah, like you said, it's, it, the future is very bright for the Rangers. Uh, anything else to add? Yeah. In regards to David Quinn, you know, when you said, you know, you have to be disciplined or he will, you know, bench you and a player I look at is Pavel Buchnevich. ton of skill on the ice, but He's, he's hard on himself, and he takes a lot of penalties. And David Quinn, I mean, I don't know if I can say this, but he really took no crap with him. If he was penalized, he would go on the bench, and Bushnevich would have to watch. And you can see him be angry on the bench, not smile. But in the past, you know, couple of weeks, well, before the season, you know, was that, uh, was on a hiatus, you could see he was trying – he was putting the puck in the back of the net, scored the last goal of the season. 
And it's great to see, to see him smiling because he is a guy with a lot of skill. And I think he's a first-line left winger or a second-line left winger in the future of the NHL, personally. Yeah, Bucinavich is definitely one of the the true enigmatic Rangers players to some degree. Got off to a hot start and then had a, quite the the cold spell in the middle there, and then and then ended strong. But you know that that Kreider's Benajad Bucinavich line uh, is definitely a, a force when they're when they're going because that that those three are hard to stop. I'll go back to my original question though: Would the Rangers have made the playoffs had the, had the season continued as planned? Um. Honestly, I don't think so. I mean, wishful thinking, I want them to, but realistically, I think just the Blue Jackets, you know, had the same many games as them and also had two more points. The Islanders had games in hand and were a point ahead. I think it was possible, but I think it was improbable for them to happen. And if the season was to resume after this hiatus, I think it would be almost out of the question because I think the Blue Jackets would be a team they really have to compete with. And the Panthers and the Blue Jackets probably having guys like Seth Jones and Cam Atkinson returning from injury. I think it just would have been too steep of a hill to climb for Rangers to make the playoffs. But still, overall, a very successful season. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the future in a minute. But in my opinion, had the had the season continued, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, it was certainly possible, but it was it was it was not going to be an easy run there. I think the Rangers had a great sort of late season run, but I think they did it just not against easy competition, but they definitely beat some good teams, but teams trending sort of in the wrong direction or other sort of slumping high level teams. You know, we saw as we actually went to the game together against the Philadelphia Flyers, when they, when they matched up with, with a real like high level opponent, they, they were, you know, pretty much overmatched out there uh, and didn't look quite ready. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. This team is super young and still ahead of schedule. Um, but, you know, had they even squeaked into the playoffs, I thought there was little to no shot of them doing any damage. Although, as we've discussed outside of this before, they, they do seem to to up their game when they play against, uh, you know, better competition for the most part, where, you know, they are prone to some just, you know, terrible showings against, against lower-level teams, but sometimes will come to play against the high-level teams. At the end of the day, I think the playoffs would have been a, a stretch, and I had they made it, I don't think they would have won more than, than a game. But I guess theoretically, they, it's not all hypothetical. They, they could have a chance at the playoffs as uh, the NHL is, you know, considering uh, getting things back together and going again this summer. Do you think the NHL should resume? Um, I think the idea of a 2014 playoff, which was, you know, circling around the Internet, um, I, I'm really not into it because what I think is that Let's say you do a 2014 playoff and let's say a team bottom of the standings, they don't think should make it. And then hypothetically, the, like they win the cup or even a team that's high in the standings and you're, they're facing off against more competition. Does it really feel like you're winning the Stanley Cup if you're in a 2014 playoff with no fans? Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's like winning a Stanley Cup personally. I mean, you can disagree, but. I don't Absolutely think not. Oh, but you just, Okay. No, absolutely not in that. You're right. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> winning, winning the Stanley Cup this season is absolutely not a legitimate Stanley Cup, regardless of, you know, the only, it would be more legitimate if they somehow found a way to play out the entire regular season and, a, and you know, proceeded with a regular playoffs, which is pretty much probably a 1% chance of happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even that would be illegitimate in my opinion. I mean, what, they, what they've done here is, 
I mean, it's, it's a tough situation for sure. I mean, the, you know, you've got guys who've you know left and gone back to their home countries and haven't been playing hockey. So, you know, they're going to need some time to, to get things going again and have some sort of training camp as, as the NHL has acknowledged. Um, and I mean, I don't know, it's, it's a tough situation here. You've got, you obviously want to play as much of the regular season as possible, but as, as was said by, by like Drew Doughty and other guys you know, who are on teams in the bottom of the standings that have no shot at making the playoffs. Like these guys don't want to come back and play five games or something just for the sake of it. So the league can you know do the playoffs with, with these teams on it. Like it's a real touchy situation for different players. I think some guys might not be comfortable going back to play, you know, as a result of the, the pandemic, who knows? And I mean, even just not playing necessarily in your own building, not playing with fans, there's a whole lot of, aspects to this that that just I think it'll be hard for the, for the league to find a way to, to really get this done in general and you were also saying about players going back to their home countries and having to adjust go and come back and another interesting point I wanted to touch on is a lot of guys in Sweden Finland and Europe they're actually having the luxury of being able to practice on ice with teammates. And that's something a lot of these North American players don't have. I just think if you really resume the playoffs, is it fair to all these players in Canada and U.S. when they haven't had the days or weeks of training that a lot of these European guys have had? I don't think so. And you're pointing with Drew Doughty. He said that. And that's a guy that has won two cups in the past 10 years. So he knows what the feeling is like to win a Stanley Cup. And you know what? That's a guy I, I can take his word from because when you have the feeling of holding the best trophy in sports, I mean, I don't know. I, I It's a very touchy situation, as you said, and I don't think it's worth it. You play us without fans. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't. I mean, yeah, I think, I think it's, I mean, I, in, for the, it makes sense. I understand why the league wants to, you know, play. Obviously you want to, you're risking losing up to you know, more than a mil- more than a billion dollars here by you know canceling the entire season, which will have ramifications on on the salary cap and you know, the players getting their money as well as as well as other things. And I think for the players, you know, from I think the players probably recognize that personally they they probably don't have any desire to go back and and play necessarily, but but it's it's in their best interest to go play and it's kind of what I was getting at with the salary cap in that, you know, if you, if you, if, if they cancel the season and you lose out on all this money, the salary cap, which was expected to, to take a pretty big jump, uh, an increase will, will stay the same or, or possibly even decrease, which is only going to hurt them. You know, they're for guys that are set to hit free agency this, this summer that were expecting to, to, you know, make a lot of money. Uh, because of the increased cap and, and probably make more than they would have are now going to be set to make, you know, less or, or the same. And it's, it's just not the, the uh, increase that, that they were expecting there. So I think they, they realize that it's in their best interest to, uh, to go ahead and try and, you know, make some of that revenue back. But at the same time, it seems hard to believe that a lot of guys would be interested in, you know, leaving their families and, you know, going away to some sort of isolated place where they're quarantining with their teams and they're playing with front of no fans, especially for teams that, you know, don't think they necessarily do have a legitimate shot uh, at a Stanley cup, even like a Rangers, for example, who could make the playoffs just week in the playoffs or are probably not going to, going to win a Stanley cup at the same time it is the kind of year where you never know if the Rangers were going to win the Stanley cup, you know, this would be the way they do it with some weird format like this, because it's, sort of you know providing more opportunities to 
to different teams. But yeah, it's 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 a tough situation. You know, I think everyone can probably see both sides of it for sure. But I can't see the benefit. I can't see. I can't. I just can't see you're creating like a, uh, any sort of legitimate Stanley Cup playoffs and I, or interest if it were to open over the summer. It would be different if it was happening now and everyone is still kind of stuck at home and there's nothing going on. But to do it over the summer when when hopefully some more things are, are opened up and life is a little bit back to normal, it seems like it just it just won't, it just doesn't have the appeal. It's kind of come and gone. Yeah, I mean. Another aspect, you have to think about these players just socially. If they were to resume the season, they would have to be in one location. I mean, their lives would be so restricted. They wouldn't be able to see their families. I mean, you really have to think about this from the point of view from the players. I mean, it's so tough for them. And I just don't think the players themselves would be able to resume just skill-wise and just morally and socially. I think it would, it would be tough for them. And salary cap-wise, I think it would be detrimental to the players, especially the Rangers. I mean – Rangers have to re-sign, you know, Strong and Bost and D'Angelo, Lemieux. And if the salary cap stays or goes down, that's going to be almost improbable. Unless if uh, if we see some sort of compliance buyouts, which I think you're uh, you're very into. And if you would talk about that, that would be great. Yeah, uh, I've actually written something a little while back for Elite Sports New York about compliance buyouts, where it would definitely, it's, you know, all rumors, but it would make sense that if the salary cap went down or stayed the same, that the league would, would offer each team a compliance buyout. So a compliance buyout, uh, you know, is the same as buying out a player where you're, you know, they're, they become a free agent, they're off your roster, except instead of uh, their, that you're, instead of receiving a cap penalty as a result, there's no salary cap implications. Uh, so for example, the Rangers could buy out anyone or Tammy Panarin, not that that would ever happen, but uh, you know, there would, he would the Rangers could would give him his money and he would he would make his money but it would his contract would be totally erased from the books and uh, you know that would free up whatever I think it's eleven point five million dollars he's making um, but for the Rangers a compliance buyout would be huge because they have some some contracts that they uh, definitely would would probably like to get off the books and the one that would make the most sense to to buy out is is certainly Henrik Lundqvist um, so. That that brings up a whole another debate, uh, but I mean, there's there's others that that sort of make some sense, like like Mark Stahl, like Brendan Smith, but all three all three guys' contracts expire uh, after after the the fall, the next season, and Henrik Lundqvist is set to make far and away the most money. Where it, with the Rangers, you know, two young goalies proving that they're you know quite capable, it, it doesn't really make sense in my opinion for for the Rangers to, to buy out anyone other than Lundqvist if they were to be issued a compliance buyout. And then again, if it's, there's no compliance buyout and you're simply buying out a player, then, then there are arguments you can make for, for other players because of the cap penalties. But if you're just able to get one contract off the books like that, it's gotta be Lundqvist. And again, this coming from as big a Lundqvist fan as there is, but, but it just, it just makes too much sense. Yeah. I mean, it's been one of the lingering questions from the trade deadline on, has, and just after the season, has Hamakonkos played his last game in a blue shirt sweater? And what he's done for this franchise, you know, wins, shutouts, games. I mean, he single-handedly has carried this team to a Stanley Cup final, to multiple Eastern Conference finals. And inevitably, I, I think it's a real possibility that we may have seen Hamakonkos play his last game at Madison Square Garden. But is it the worst thing with Igor Shostakovich and Alexander Georgiev coming up the ranks? 
I'm not sure. Is it going to be sad morally? Maybe, but for the better of the franchise? I don't think so. And I think it's a decision that has to be made by the front office, Jeff, Jeff Gordon, uh, Chris Drury. And um, yeah, I, I, I think Igor Shesterkin is the future of, in, in goal. And I think Hank's time is up as a New York Ranger. Yeah. And all of the, although it's almost impossible to think about. I mean, it's just, I, I grew up watching this guy day in, day out. Just He's, he's my hero. I mean, I got a bed. I have a jersey. I have things all, of him all over my room. And but it's I, if we're going into a new era, I mean, and I mean, from the Stanley Cup final roster in 2014, the only players, you know, remaining are, I mean, you have Hank, you have Kreider, Stahl, and, you know, it's, it's weird, but it's, it's a transition that you're going to have to make. And you really, it's, it's a new, it's a new New York Rangers team, speed, you know, skill, young, it's, the future's looking very, very bright in my opinion. Yeah, well, let me say something. There's no, there's no debate that it, buying out Henrik Lundqvist is the best business decision for the franchise. It's it's you know it's yeah. going to be sad for the fans and I'm sure for the people in the organization. But there's no doubt about it that it, it, again, it does not make sense if the Rangers are issued a compliance buyout to buy out anyone else other than Henrik Lundqvist because of his contract and because you're not creating any sort of hole. You already have your your starting goalie and your backup goalie in Alexander Georgiev and Igor Shesterkin. That it, you're, it, there would make no sense to buy out, you know, Mark Stahl, who at currently at this point in time, you know, you'd be creating an opening on the, on the left side of the blue line, which, you know, sure there are guys that could step in and, and play, like Keandre Miller, who, who signed a century level contract, like uh, Libor Hayek, who's playing in Hartford, like you or Rykov. But it's it, you know, there are question marks. They're young players. Like the Rangers have their goalies. There is no doubt that, and and there's there's no doubt that. They're better than Henrik Lundqvist at this point in time, in my opinion. Alexander Georgiev could probably go either way. But Igor Shosturkin was proved at the end of the season that he is far and away the best of that group right now and you know, will be the Rangers' goaltender of the future. That not buying out Henrik Lundqvist with a compliance buyout, again, that's the key. With a compliance buyout would make no sense. Had, you know, the salary cap doesn't decrease, stays the same, or you know, maybe it makes a marginal increase and the teams don't get issued a compliance buyout. Then, again, there's a debate to be had about what the Rangers should do with Lundqvist. They also will have some cap space. Maybe they can find a way to move a guy like like Stahl or like Smith and package a draft pick with them. Maybe retain some salary. There's ways to get to get money off the books. But if you get a, a sort of get out of jail free card, like the league would be giving you with a with a compliance buyout, Henrik Lundqvist is the choice, no doubt about it. And it would be sad for everyone, but it, it makes too much sense. Yeah, and on the topic of goaltenders, Brian. We saw just the other day a real promising netminder, Tyler Wall, who played for UMass Lowell, come up, one of the finalists for the Hoey Baker Award. Do you see a future with him in the franchise, even with uh, Shostakovich and Georgiev in the major leagues right now? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't see. I don't. He, he'll he'll get his chance. It's it's too early to to say definitively. I think obviously he put up tremendous numbers. Uh, at UMass Lowell uh, this past season, but uh, I think you know the Rangers clearly have have goalies. They have Olaf Lindbaum, who they drafted in the second round a couple years ago as well. Uh, they've got Adam Huska too. They've got plenty of guys uh, who are young and, and promising. That again, it's it's kind of the kind of thing where it's never you never can have too many 
you know, good goalies. It's, it's, there's only one, but it's a position of need for a lot of teams around the league. So, you know, Wall could be a guy who's sort of used as trade bait. He could be a, a guy who eventually replaces Alexander Georgiev if, if, you know, he decides he wants to go try and find a starting, a starting gig somewhere else. But, you know, he does, he is under team control for, for a few more years here. Uh, but I, I mean, I can't see Wall being in the NHL or anything for at least probably two or three years, uh, maybe serving as a backup to Shesterkin if they were to lose Georgiev. Um, but other than that, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I honestly don't know. If, you know, haven't seen him play or anything too much. Just seen some highlights and, and seen his numbers. But definitely, just one of the more promising goaltender prospects out there. And when you've got Benoit Lair, uh, you know, there's always the potential that he could become a star. Yeah. And just going back on the idea of, of new, of, you know, with the play, if the playoffs do resume um, and there's something that came out today by an infectious disease expert saying that if the uh, NHL was to resume, they said that coaches would need to social distance trainers would need to stay in the locker room, no fighting, no after scrum whistles. I mean, I, I just don't think that that we can continue on the NHL at this point. You can't play off without scrum, scrums or fighting, and coaches not going to be able to coach properly. I mean, I think the NHL season is over at this point for 2020. Do you agree with me on this one? I mean, I think as Gary Bettman and, and Bill Daly have said throughout this whole process, from the league's perspective, you know, obviously they're in it to, to make some money, so they're going to do everything they can to, to, to get this season to, to finish out and, and do something. As they said, they're open to starting uh, to pushing back the start of next season and playing into the, you know, starting this late in the summer and playing into the fall. I mean, for me, I can't, I mean, if this, if they're going to start next, like if they're going to play the playoffs in like September or something like that, that seems just crazy. I mean, I, I, if I feel like if you, can't start it and July 1st at the latest, it's kind of like, just, just give up on it already. But again, as I said before, I understand where the league's coming from. I don't think it's worth it when you consider what you're saying. I saw the same thing about the different rules, you know, players on face-offs, the guy's not taking the draw, but the wingers will have to stand uh, further apart from each other. It just, it doesn't seem like it, it makes sense when you also consider the fact that, okay, teams are probably, not playing in their home arenas, although the league has said that they want teams to. Fans are, are you know, not going to be in the building. You, you need to deal with right now the different rules of the different states letting, you know, the, the teams go back and, and start practicing. Or or then again, you have the possibility of all the guys quarantining together in you know, certain cities. It's just there's too many variables. There's too much uncertainty. I can't see – I can't – I won't say it. It's, I'm saying it won't come back, but I can't see it you know, the NHL returning and it having a successful playoffs uh, of any sorts. I think the quality of play will also be down when you consider the guys haven't played in so long. They're all going to be, you know, probably slightly out of shape. They're, they're going to be a little rusty, especially for the American guys like you touched on earlier who haven't been able to skate and, and play. And it's going to be, you know, it would be kind of like a wild card kind of year. Anything can happen. And whichever team, you know, would come out on top, it just wouldn't be the same. There's no, there's no way it, it possibly could. Yeah, and well, just going. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say. On. I was going to say. Let me ask you though. If if they if they play, if the playoffs returns, you know they've obviously had a ton of different formats here discussed. Is there one that that 
sticks out to you as, as the best format. Obviously there, there are some that would exclude the Rangers from the playoffs. There are some that would let them play some regular season games. There were some that, well, that would include the Rangers just from a, you know, your own perspective, not necessarily as a Rangers fan or writer. What do you think makes sense for the league? I don't think the proposed 24 team format can work out just because I don't think it's fair to teams that are contending or teams that are already in it, having to face more teams. And then also an idea based on point percentage uh, for the conference. Which I think would, that which would, I, by the way, which would not, which would knock out the Rangers as of now. It, it, it would knock out the Rangers, but I think in my opinion, I think that's actually the most fair way, although it does eliminate our team. Cause I think it proves like what, cause there's only what five, 10 regular season games left to be played or 11 round. And if you go by point percentage, you played 65 to 70 games. It's probably the most fair way. Cause I think it shows throughout the season, what, what teams have been the 16 best teams in the NHL. So I think that's probably the most fair way to play out the season in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I think you're probably right. I mean, points percentage makes sense. There are definitely arguments to be made. For example, you know, like some teams had, you know, really easy or soft schedules to finish off the year and they're losing out on, on those games. And there are definitely some, some holes in each format that probably does make the most sense to me as well, or, or, or just trying to play, you know, two or three regular seasons games, you know, getting every team to like the 75 game mark and just going off points, you know, just regular points as you would typically do. Obviously as I mentioned that knocks the Rangers out, whereas 24 teams won, uh, I mean, they would be in sort of a bubble, like playing game, I believe is, is kind of what it would work, the way it worked. But I also think, I, again, this will never happen, but people have, have written about it and it could be interesting. Like if you're the league, you're trying to, to generate, you know, as much buzz as possible. So, you know, the more teams, the merrier, probably just because you're, you know, you're getting more fan engagement and, and probably getting more interest. Obviously, you know, you'll certainly upset some of the teams at the top of the league that are you know, maybe having to take a longer road uh, to to the Stanley Cup final. But, you know, do, there again, this will never, ever, ever happen. But doing something like a March Madness-style tournament could, you know, be the most interesting thing you could possibly do or bring every team in and, and, and creating something like that, where obviously those would not be fair and, and not realistic. But that's the kind of thing that would, would create interest and, and intrigue. And sure, everyone knows the Stanley Cup wouldn't have the same meaning, but it would, it would be the kind of thing that, that people would tune into. But I think the 2014 playoff is probably like the middle ground between those two things where you're still getting a lot of teams involved, but it's not like a total like free-for-all like that, you know, sort of March Madness style, like 31 team kind of playoff would be. It's, mm-hmm. it's cre- keeping some kind of order while, while also, you know, expanding the field and, and giving more teams a chance to, to hoist the cup. Yeah, and another point I think we should touch on is because about an NHL draft in June, which uh, the NHL has proposed, but it's already May 12th, and the league has said that teams will have a one-month notice-ish about when the draft will happen, so that's not really looking realistic enough. But what are your thoughts on the June draft? Because I personally think it's a really, really interesting idea, in my opinion. I think the June draft is just a – I mean, I just don't get it. I, I understand the league. Interesting. I think, I mean, yeah, interesting. It makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. Again, from a league's perspective, it makes some sense. You're yeah. you're trying to capitalize off the sort of buzz that the NFL draft created. Obviously, it worked very well being online and was you know, 
arguably smoother or, or, you know, just as well run as it would have been in person. And it, it generated a ton of interest. It had the highest ratings it's ever had. Uh, but it just, I mean, between the draft order, between things like conditional yeah. draft picks, it, it's, there's a lot to, to figure out. Plus, you, you know, you lose, you're, you're putting teams as they did in the NFL. Uh, you're putting teams in a more difficult position where, you know, there's no, there's no, uh, combine, which is not as, as big in the, in the uh, NHL, but it's, you know, still, still present. And, and, you know, there's no ability to interview players in person. Uh, it's, it's putting teams in a tougher position. And I, it just seems like it would be the kind of thing that almost like had they done it in May or, or like earlier, it would have made more sense because it, it would have generated more buzz. But now it's like, if you're going to do it in June, why not just wait till the season ends? Cause ideally you're, if, you know, if you're going to start the season and have it run well, you, you want to start up around, you know, not too long after mid June anyway. So why not, you know, push the draft back um, and, and, and let it run as normal. But just as we were saying before, there will be some teams opposed to the, to the draft. Yeah. There are definitely going to be some teams that are in favor of it. Like teams sort of at the bottom of the standings, whose you know, lottery odds will allow them to, you know, sit pretty comfortably uh, atop the draft order uh, where you know, there's been lots of systems proposed, but, but the most likely one seems to be uh, one where, where teams really could only fluctuate like four spots higher than, than they are in the standings and teams at the top of the order would pretty much be locked into their spots for the most part. Yeah, because yeah, you have teams, you know, like the Red Wings, Senators, and Kings, like almost automatically in the top five. So it just takes away from like the draft lottery suspense. Like when the Rangers got the second pick, you, nobody thought they were going to get the second pick, you know, maybe in the eight, nine range. Now, if they do this draft in June, they would probably be hovering around 11 to 15. But I think that a lot of teams that are, you know, in that bottom 10 would be really upset because you're really locking the Red Wings or the Sunders getting a chance at a generational talent like Alexi Lacrenier and then Quinton Byfield also there. So I don't really think it's fair for a lot of teams, but you have to look at the other side of this, right? Because if they don't get the draft done in June, you may have a draft be delayed until August, September, because then they would have to finish off the season if they do decide to resume that and you, again, like you said, you can't see these guys at the combine or you can't see them, you know, play more games as, you know, the OHL, WHL, QMJHL, all those seasons have been canceled. It, there is no, it might, there is no clear answer of when to do the drafts or how to do the draft a lottery. There isn't. It's, there's going to be a decision made and some people are going to hate it and some people are going to like it, but whatever it is, it is, there's no, there's no right decision. It's all, it's all, I just, it's all subjective. I don't see the downside in having, why not just have the late draft other than that you're it's you know a money grab sort of move to have it now and, and generate buzz but why what's what is it what's wrong with having it in, in july or august is you know it's this you should do the, it's not like the 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 guys being drafted are losing out on like time because you're starting if if the season's being played then then you're just starting you know, the 2020, 21, 2021 season later. So you know, they're not like losing out on like a training camp or something like that. It's not, it's, it's imperfect, but I don't see the downside into just running it as normal. Like the same way the NFL ran it as, you know, they, they did the virtual draft, but that's because they were running it as normal. Well, you know, that we they don't, did it. 
well, we don't know when the NHL season is going to resume or start for next season. The next season may start in October and may be delayed till December. This NHL season may resume in a month and they may resume it in, in July or August. We don't know. It's so many variables, I think, to make a decision right now. I think once we have an idea of when either this season would resume, if that would happen, or when the next season, when that start date is, before any of that is announced, once that's announced, then a draft date should be announced. The draft date should not be made unless we have a decision on when NHL play would start off again. I mean, let me ask you this. Do you, is, uh, do you see a scenario where the league finishes this season prior to July? Like they start they start prior to July? July sorry. I think that a mid-June uh, resumption is plausible, but I think that we probably wouldn't see a Stanley Cup winner be crowned probably July into August or maybe late August, maybe into September because we have to take into account the playing games, how many games that can be a best two out of three series, one game, best three out of five, and the playoffs may linger for some, for some reason. We don't really know. And then hypothetically, let's say if you want a game seven series, the, the season may end, if they resume it, it may end two months later than normal or it may end four months later than normal, which would just shake up the draft, the resumption of next season. It's just, it's a tough situation, a poor situation, and honestly, it's a nuisance that all parties involved, players, coaches, staff, you know, executives. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I can't, I, I could see them resuming. I could see them starting training camps again in, in mid-June, but I can't see games being played until July because you're going to have to, you have two weeks of training camp and you're not going to get it to a point until all cities, or even if you're, you know, getting everyone to one city, where people can comfortably start going again until mid-June, I don't think. You know, you've probably got a month from now. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't see them, like, June 1st being ready to go with, like, training camps. Well, even a situation where we look at the Rangers, I mean, located in New York, one of the epicenters of this virus, are they able to start training camps on, like, compared to the time of other teams, maybe, you know, like, like the Stars or teams in, like, the Midwest. What I'm saying, that's that's the point, because they're going to, they need yeah. to put all the teams on an even playing field, so you can't yeah. start until every single yeah. city is but, ready to, to go. But, but is that possible? I don't know. It may not be possible. I think that, that's the issue with, with resumption. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying if, so I'm saying you're either assuming, you're either waiting till every city's ready, or you're, you're getting everyone to one city and, and, you know, doing the other sort of plan they mentioned where you're quarantining and, and you're playing in specific buildings and everyone's kind of playing in, you know, with a select sort of few arenas, but you, you've taken, you know, obviously there's a lot of that prep that goes into that. So to get, that will take a, a, a while to, to be put into effect. And I can't see every NHL city being ready to go until mid June, like New York, for example, the epicenter, you know, there's, there's no way that every, every city, every player is here ready to go. You know, the guys, the international players have to come back. There's a lot that goes into it. Where well, I, the, international, the international players, they technically can't even come back now. There's still a travel restriction. So right. that, that would still be lifted. So I don't it's, know. It, it's to me, again, July is the earliest time I could see games starting. And if they're going to start the games in July – uh, I would. I, I don't know. I mean, you're you're assuming it. It, it probably yeah. It goes into mid August probably. Then depending on how long the series you're playing, you could shorten the series and play best of five. Yeah. I don't know. But and 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 an impact on a team like the Rangers if they were to resume, 
I mean, you know, there's a lot of young people on this team, and are they putting in the work ethic right now uh, compared to some other teams with veterans? I'm not sure about that. Um, and But also, I think the, another, the other side they can look at is because the Rangers are so young compared to other teams, maybe if the season were to resume with them in the playoffs, they have, you know, the fresh legs, the more energy, which I think can help the Rangers. But on the other side, they're young, and I don't, and they're probably not – I mean, I don't know. They're probably not putting in some of the effort. I'm not saying that there are some players I'm going to single out. So I don't really know how it's going to affect the, the Rangers players. In my like, do you think it's going to affect them positively? I, or I think the Rangers. I think the Rangers are an advantage. If I mean, the Rangers yeah. are in a better position if yeah. the season were to restart. But I think I totally disagree with you. Having okay. I'd say having a younger team is is better in, in this situation. You want guys who are going to be able to, you know more quickly sort of readapt and, and get back and ready to play rather than a yeah. team of, of older guys who, who might take a little more time to, to adjust to the speed and everything where, you know, the Rangers guys are young. They've got, as you said, they got fresh legs. They'll be ready to go. Plus they're hungry. You know, these are guys that haven't been to the playoffs. If they get any shot to, to yeah. go and, and, and play, then, then they're going to take advantage of that for sure. And, and the other key is that, you know, Igor Shesterkin was coming off of an injury or recovering from his, car accident uh, at the end of the season. Chris Kreider will, should be fully healthy if, if the season returns. He was out with a broken foot. This team is, is – as I mean, other teams will have players back as well. But Yeah, that's the same thing, yeah, with other, with other teams having star players return from injury. They're, they're, you know, again, I'm not saying I expect them to win the Stanley Cup if it returns, but yeah. it is, you know, somewhat favorable to them. It, they're, they're in a spot where they could do some damage, I think. But as I mentioned earlier, it's going to be a total, you know, free for all wild card kind of thing. Any, any progress to this point is kind of lost, you know, maybe for some reason, you know, the Washington Capitals come back and they're just like, not, it's not the same team. You know, they've been off for two months and you know, at this point they've been off for two months and it will be longer. So it's it just, it's like, it's like what, what team started at the beginning of the season, how the Rangers started is not how they were playing at the end of the season. It's, yeah. it's a total, it's a total kind of guessing game. So all in all, I think the consensus you can get from the both of us is that they should probably not resume the season and they should probably hold it off and, and try to resume 2020-21 season in, you know, our normal time. Because it just, with all the details we put in, it doesn't, it just doesn't seem to make sense to resume the season. Brian, yeah, you I, that, right? Yeah. I think the ideal, I mean, again, as I've said a hundred times now, the league will want to play to, you know, generate some revenue, but, yeah. you know, but I think the most sort of fair or scenario that makes the most sense is, is that you try to run the 2020, 2021 season as normal. That's the, that's the, that would be sort of the goal at this point. If you can have next season run, you know, totally uh, normally, again, that might, that might not be with fans or there, there's going to obviously be some sort of changes made, but if you can play an 82 game season and, and finish it at normally and, and, and have it be as standard a season as possible, then then that would be a win for the league. And it just doesn't seem – I almost don't think it's worth it for them to, to try and push to get the season to to, to get back into a, to action. Anything else to add before we wrap it up? Um, I mean, I think we've really covered a lot. I mean, I think the main issue right now is this pandemic and how it's going to affect the league. And I think that, that we covered that and, and – you know, all in all, the league should not resume. A June draft is probably not a good idea. And the Rangers, you know, future is heading in the right direction, even even with this 
pandemic hitting hard, especially in, in New York. And I think um, tough times, but I think the Rangers and all Angel teams will will come out of it strong. And we're all excited to see hockey come back. Greatest sport in the world. Absolutely. Uh, summed it up well there. Thank you guys all for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed. Hope everyone is staying safe. And I hope you guys join us next time for episode two of the Ranting Rangers podcast. See you soon.